It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 707 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. Welcome, friends. I'm glad you are here. And where is here? Here is at the 38th annual Spring Atlanta Home Show at the Cobb Galleria. We're surrounded by vendors here. They'll be opening up the show at 10 o'clock this morning, and they will be ha they have everything in the world that you need for improving your home, improving your life, improving your financial stability in the life and your world. The Red Hair Brewery people are here. If you want to make a donation, you get to taste some beers. They have insurance folks. They have mattress people. They have the landscape folks here as well. It's a great place to come. You can come into the show for free for free if you know one word and you get here before nine o'clock if you get to the Cobb Galleria before nine o'clock and know the word is reliable you can come into the front gate for free and come into the show the show starts at 10 you get to watch me for a little bit ask garden questions if you care to Dave Baker be here from 9 till 10 and then you get into the Cobb Galleria and the home show for free let's go to the phones we got lots of people lined up this morning thank you all for your patience this morning first in line comes uh, Gary out in Gainesville hey Gary good morning yeah, when is the best time to plant my tomato plants? Not today. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you heard Kurt just now. 32 doesn't sound good, does it, Gary? No, not at all. Um, you know, if you're going by the dates, the safest time to plant tomatoes is after April 15. Okay. And that is tough to hold yourself back when, the you know, it was 80 degrees this past week. Come on. Yeah. And everybody got excited and thought about their planting their tomatoes and thought there might not be a freeze. But now Mellish has brought uh -huh. us back down to earth. So the safest, the latest uh, usual freeze is usually around the first week in April. And a week or two after that is safe almost always to plant tomatoes. So tax day is what a lot of the old folks say. Safe to plant oh, tomatoes. Okay. And, you know, there's really no need, if you really look at it this way, Gary, Tomatoes in cold soil do not grow. So jumping the gun and planting an early tomato crop now or even in the next week or so, they're just going to sit there. They will not grow much of anything because the roots are too cold. So you don't oh, okay. really need to do anything early. Go ahead and wait till mid-April. You'll be fine. All right. Thank you. All right. Nothing to it. Nothing to it. By the way, I have on my website pictures of what frost-bit tomatoes look like, in case anybody wants to know what your tomatoes will look like unless you protect them over the next uh, five or six days when the temperatures get pretty low. we got Betsy in Marietta, Georgia. Hey, Betsy, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How can I'm, I help? I'm, I'm wondering about some pruning. Uh, I'd like to prune back some Hellerai hollies hard, mm -hmm. like taking about six inches off, which will leave some areas with no green. Yeah. Will they recover, and how quickly? Like, yes, but, yes but slowly. I got a three-word answer. Yes, but slowly. My mother's Hellera Hollies by her front, uh, front, or I should say back door, the door that everybody comes in, let's put it that way, <laughs> at my mother's house. Um, Hellera Hollies, and they were growing too close to the walk, and so finally I took my trimmer and trimmed them back. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. It's probably back in October is when I guess, Betsy. And they have not started yet, obviously, wintertime. They don't right. grow much in the wintertime anyway. 
but Hellerai hollies, the small, small leaf Japanese hollies, mm -hmm. if you prune them back from where they are now down to how far did you want to go, Betsy? About six, cut, cut off about six inches. I think so. I think they'll recover not immediately. It's not going to be green by the first of May or the first of June even, but by the middle of the summer, I think you'll see plenty of good growth on them. And by the end of the summer, it will look a little thin, but okay. And next spring, it'll look great. Oh, okay. And then also camellias. Um, I have some that are too wide and too tall. Sure. Can they be cut back? When they have finished blooming. They finished probably oh. pretty close to now finished oh, blooming. Oh, and yes. when they're finished, they're then... These were camellia sasanquas. Okay, so you've long time ago finished blooming. Yes. I would give yourself a goal of removing around 25% of the total foliage in whatever proportions, height, width, whatever you want to do. 25% removal is not going to hurt anything. Okay, but if some of this, if I, if that would involve cutting back to, so in other words, don't cut back to where there would be no foliage. It would be nice to leave a few leaves on the ends of the branches you cut, but again, if you just remove 25% or less of the total foliage, it'll recover. It'll look fine by the end of the summer. Okay, thank you. 25%. Sharpen those pruners. Get to work, Betsy. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. We've got uh, Doug. Doug's out in Lawrenceville. Had a question this morning about his blueberry bushes. Hey, Doug, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Walter? I'm all right, man. How can I help? Um, I've got some blueberry bushes that I planted up at a piece of lake property we've got up on Lake Strom Thurmond, and I'm just trying to get them growing before we move up there. Good, good. And I'm trying to keep them um, fertilized and everything else, but, of course, I'm not there enough to keep them watered and stuff like that. I'm just curious if you've got any pointers on how it would be the best way to try to maintain them while we're not I, there. I do, I do. How old are the blueberries? How long have you had them? About three or four years old. Perfect size. Perfect. I got my friend Jesse. I've got a young college student who needs money. That's the greatest combination in the world when you have yard work to be done. And so my friend Jesse and I renovated three, four, now five blueberry bushes that we did uh, a week and a half ago. And this is the way that you can do it and give them fertilizer and vigor and not have much to do for the rest of the years. One time that'll make you tired. Jesse was complaining about his shoulders when he finished, but I'll tell you how to do it. Um, do you know what milorganite is, Doug? I've heard of it. Uh, it's a real slow-release sewage sludge fertilizer. They sell it at all the nurseries and big box stores, too. Uh -huh. uh, get a bag of milorganite and okay. get a bag of soil conditioner or garden soil, sometimes it's called, but soil conditioner, organic matter, and okay. go up to the lake house and get a wheelbarrow and mix about, let me think here, about a cubic foot of soil conditioner and a pint of milorganite. And just okay. take a shovel, mix them up in the wheelbarrow, mix them up real so a good. Bag, a bag to a pint? A, a cubic foot, a cubic, cubic foot, foot of soil conditioner to a pint of milorganite. Okay. okay. So you mix those two together. You now have a really rich organic material, which you rake the mulch away from all your blueberries, spread this material on the ground underneath the blueberries, grab a pitchfork, and this is where it gets hard, and just jab and wiggle, jab and wiggle, jab and wiggle. What you're trying to do is to, to mix in this real uh -huh. rich stuff into yeah. the soil around your blueberry. And when it's finished, you pull the mulch back on top of it and let the rains come when they may. And the combination of that slow-release milorganite and that very organic material that you've mixed into the upper inch or two of soil, uh -huh. boy, it is going to be good. 
Okay. Good. Okay. That's fantastic. I mean, the blueberries of Lionel Lake Strom Thurmond, are going to, the birds and the blueberries are going to have such a great party up there. You probably won't get but 10, but the birds will really appreciate what you've done for them. <laughs> so I'll have a lot of friendly birds at my house. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir. Thanks. You bet. Thanks for calling, Doug. Okay. Bye-bye. Our number is 404-872-0750. You get in to take Doug's place. We've got lots and lots and lots of garden questions this morning. Wanda is in Temple, Georgia, and she joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Wanda, good morning. Good morning. How can I help, Wanda? I want to know what is the best thing you can do for mold in your yard to get rid you know, of them. I mentioned just now that I have a young college student that helps me in the yard yes what you, what you need is a young 12 to 14 year old that's what you need because they have the big feet if you remember boys when they're about 14 years old that's when the feet get the biggest and yes. you get one with a big tennis shoes on he says son go out there and i want you to stomp down every tunnel of mold that you see come back in and i'll give you five dollars and that, to me, is the best way of doing it, Wanda, because just simply m making the environment inhospitable to moles is much quicker and it's much more effective than chasing them around with poison worms and traps and ground glass and all the cuckoo things that people recommend. Just mash the tunnels until the mole goes over to somebody else's house. And if it goes to Neil Bortz's house, it doesn't bother me. If it goes to <laughs> Herman Cain's house, it's their problem, not your problem. Don't worry about it. Okay. All mash right. them my down. Husband, the only thing that my husband found was rat poison, but we yeah. were concerned because our neighbors have free-range chickens. Yeah. And they're in our yard as much as they are theirs. And Which is so a good reason not. animals not to use the poison. I do not recommend poison for moles before because A, usually moles, what do moles eat, Wanda? Do you remember what moles eat? No. They only eat insects. They do not eat poison. Okay. So you put the poison peanuts in the ground or any kind of rat poison, things like that, and the moles simply ignore it because it does not smell like food. They don't eat it. And okay. so uh, you're wasting your time there and running the risk of those poor little chickens getting some of it. And so that's why mashing it with the tennis shoes, Keds, Adidas, you know, Nike, <laughs> any of those brands work great. Okay. That sounds great. All right. Get that little kid okay. out there and make a job, make a summer job for a child. <laughs> he will be appreciating that. Okay. I appreciate it so much. <laughs> you bet. Thanks for calling, Wanda. Thank you. 404-872-0750, the number on Lawn and Garden. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the Lawn and Garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Bottom line, it's going to be a really pleasant day with scattered thunderstorms. Look out for the sky and see if you have a thunderstorm approaching. Go inside and come back outside when it's finished. That's what you do. Highs today in the mid-70s, we're going to say. Lows tonight in the low 40s. And, of course, looking forward four or five days. Kirk says 30s uh, Monday, Tuesday. So be real thoughtful about what you plant and what you don't plant and what you do in the garden for the next couple of days. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. We've got uh, 
Who's this? Jim, 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 Jim. Jim's in Marietta and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jim, good morning. Good morning, morning. Walter. Um, I'm going to be doing some raised beds. I'm going to have three different raised beds, one for blueberries, one for raspberries, and one for a fig tree. Terrific. And uh, I'd like to go as organic as possible. I'm a little concerned about the using pressure-treated. Yeah. Uh, is there anything I can I can line it with, or is there an alternative material I could use? Oh yeah, you can line it with just plain old sheet plastic. Buy it from the hardware store, and when you built the bed, it's it's hard to do this after the bed is filled. But if you're smart enough to do it before the bed is filled, then you're way ahead of the game, Jim. And so you just get sheet plastic and a staple gun and staple it inside, so that you don't have any leaching of supposed harmful harmful chemicals into the into the soil. I myself, Jim, based on some science and research, I don't believe there's much to worry about with the current generation of treated wood, but if you have any concern at all, just line it with plastic and that'll be the end of that story. Okay. Now, what's the uh, um, ideal planting, uh, I guess, spacing? I mean, I I, I was reading that uh, raspberries, like three feet apart, blueberries, four to five feet apart, but as far as like from the edge of the planter, how close could I get to the edge? For both of them, I'd put it about a foot inside okay. the edge. Um, they don't need much more than that, but I think your spacing that you already mentioned is about right for blueberries and raspberries. Sure is. Okay, now it's going to get some organic soil from uh, a landscaping supply. Great. What can I add to it to, um, I guess, produce, uh, give, give the best environment for these three uh, types of plants? Let me get out of here real quick. But basically, if it is a sandy loam, if you pick it up with your hands and you mash it a little bit, and if it falls apart because of the sand and the looseness to it, that is your goal. A nice sandy loam. If it seems not to be quite that loose, if it has a lot of clay in it, then you may need to add a little more organic matter, some gritty, gritty sand to it to loosen it up. But sandy loam, that's what a vegetable would like to have. Okay, and real quick, the ideal depth? Ten inches is all the most vegetables are going to get to. Even the raspberries and the blueberries, ten inches is about as far as they're going to go down. So don't worry about anything lower than that. Thanks for calling, Jim. We've got to get out of here. It is 727. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.36 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I'm here to help you be more successful with whatever you want to do in your garden. And also today to help you be more successful with your home because I'm broadcasting live from the 38th annual spring home show at the Cobb Galleria. People are already filtering in because they know they can get into the home show for free. And all they had to know was the password at the gate. Reliable. Get them in for free when the show opens at 10 o'clock. We've got lots of questions coming up online. Uh, Mary Emma in uh, Atlanta wants to know about where to use her compost, where to put a compost pile. Jean wants to know about her planting rhododendrons. Dan wants to know about zoysia grass and how to get the green mold off of his zoysia grass. Trimming grapes, says John, needs a little advice on that. But we are beginning this Saturday a new feature on the Lawn and Garden Show called Weed of the Week. Ashley Frasca is going to go out in her yard because Ashley Frasca has more weeds than the law allows 
and take pictures of weeds in her lawn. Weed of the week. Sounds so ominous. Well, for a lot of people, weed of the week is an ominous thing. They don't want to have weeds, but you and me both, Ashley, we have weeds like you wouldn't believe, even though we're the, you know, colleagues here on the Lawn and Garden Show. You know, it happens. (laughs) Weeds happen. So what have you got this week? What's the first weed? Well, we also have photos, as you mentioned, for folks to help identify them because, you know, it's so tough when we get callers and they really have trouble describing the weed. So not only are we going to describe it for you, but we're going to provide you with a photo, too. The first one I found is very common in my fescue right now, and it's very noticeable because it's so tall. It's about twice the height of the fescue. Small little white, I wouldn't say flowers, but almost like little beans at the top of the stalk, small little rounded leaves, and I notice that if you just shake it, the little white beans fall off. Ha! Boy, was that a great description, Ashley Frasca. Um, Harry Bittercress would be the name of this weed. And the little beans, that's exactly. If you shake them or just touch them, just walk by them and stare at them for a minute, they explode and all the seeds go all over the yard, giving you more seeds for next year to germinate. Miserable little plant. And, uh, I mean, I say miserable. Actually, you can actually eat those leaves. It's a cress, and that means in general terms that it's an edible plant. So if you don't spray weed killer on it, you could go out and harvest it, and you and John have a little cress salad. Wouldn't that sound sophisticated? Oh, if you put arugula or anything that's not iceberg on that boy's plate, he ain't going to eat it. No. (laughs) All right, not eating the the hairy, bitter cress. Um, If you want to control it, the easiest way synthetically, chemically, is get Weed Beater Ultra that uh, Pike sells. And Weed Beater does a great job of controlling hairy bittercress. If you want to control it organically, it is pretty easy to dig out of the ground. But because of those beans that you pointed out, Ashley, sooner rather than later, learn to identify it. Look at those pictures that you have. See the leaves. And when you've identified it, immediately take it out before it has a chance to make the seeds. And they don't have very deep roots, so they are no, easy to just no, yank up really with your hands. Really easy Really easy pull. How do we find the pictures online, Ashley? All right. What we've done is you go to wsbradio.com, and in the upper right-hand corner, the little search bar, just search Weed of the Week, and you'll find oh, okay. the photo album every Saturday. We're going to update it with the new photos and the new weeds we're talking about. So wsbradio.com. You sure you have enough weeds? Oh, I've got at least seven or eight ready for you. (laughs) The Weed of the Week, WSBRadio.com in the search line, Weed of the Week. You'll see Ashley's album, and you'll be able to see what our lawns look like. Thanks, Ash. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. Mariama here in Atlanta, Georgia, joins us with a question about composting. Hey, Mariama, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? About 10 years ago, I had a tree cut down. And for the stump, I went to Home Depot and got this product, drilled a hole and put it in the trunk stump. Sure, So sure. 10 years later, it's a big hole, about, I would say, from 8 to 12 inches in the ground. I want to know if it's okay now to use that hole to put compost in. It absolutely is. No problem at all. And... Uh, you can either put compost in and plant things in that hole, or you can just continue to pile compostable stuff like weed clippings and leaves and things like that in there. Either way is fine with me. But sure, you can put that hole to use and put compost in it or grow things. Okay, thank you. Let me, t- let me give you a suggestion of what to do. Is it in any place that you would want to grow a flower or a vegetable or something like that? <coughs> uh, 
no, I want to grow vegetables. Actually, I just want to use it as a, a compost bin. Yeah. And as the leaves and all compost and turn to dirt, then I would use it in my garden. Let me give you a suggestion. You will okay. be surprised at how vigorously things will grow around the edge of that stump hole there. Okay. Do, do, if you want to do an experiment, get some bean seeds or even squash or gourd if you like to grow gourds and just plant two or three just around the edge of that stump and as you add compostable material it decomposes it releases nitrogen and nutrients for those uh, plants and seeds that you put in i think you'll be very very pleased at what you get coming out of that compost pile okay so you're saying go ahead and put the kitchen scraps and the leaves and all that sure. into the hole yeah. and then throw some seeds in correct a little bit of seed around the edge just around the edge Okay. Around the edge try. in the compost or around the edge on the ground? Around the edge of the ground, right where the compost and the stump hole join each other. Right so it, so the seed can root into the compost. That's what I want to happen. Okay. Okay. All right. Call me back in this. two months. Okay. Tell me what it looks like. Okay. All right. Thanks. You bet. Thanks for calling. We got John in Roswell, Georgia. Hey, John. Good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. Good, good morning, Walter. Is it too late for me to trim my... Uh, uh, grapevine and muscadine. I went to my friend Donna and Wiley's house the other day, live over the hill from me, and uh, I looked at Donna's muscadines and I said, Donna, they're all dripping right now. And she said, yeah, Wiley just pruned them day before yesterday and they're drip, uh -oh. drip, 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 drip all over the place. Is that going to hurt them? And I was able to reassure both of them that no, the bleeding does not hurt. And so, oh, yes, okay. John, you can prune the muscadine scuppernongs now. Just be aware that it's going to drip for five or so days. It'll gradually stop, and then you'll start getting leaf growth, and then you'll get some grapes. Good news. Walter, is there anything I can put around plants, like bean plants, to keep the uh, ground squirrels and the squirrels from mm. feeding it other, other than having a cat in my yard? To tell you the truth, I put uh, cage traps in my backyard. I have tomatoes and uh, squirrels and chipmunks get into my tomatoes pretty regularly. And so I have a cage trap that I bait and I take a dozen probably of these little four-legged demons out of my landscape and into someplace else nearby that I have permission to let them go. And uh, that pretty well keeps the tomatoes on the vine, at least till I get a, a bite or two out of them. I suggest you live trap them because they can climb fences, they can climb uh, anything you put around in a cat, yeah. you may or may not get the meanest cat in the world, and they may not want to go work at night and, you know, things like that. But traps work for me. Do you ever give any of them swimming lessons when you catch them? I am not that mean. How would you even suggest, John, that I would want to give a chipmunk a swimming lesson? No. I give them okay, a playground well, lesson. I, I, give them, I, I take them to a place where the uh, children play on the playground and throw away their cookies and their candies and things like that. That is where I take my chipmunks. They're happy to go. They have little smiles on their faces when they go over there. Dan, <laughs> Dan's in Alpharetta and joins us at Lawn and Garden. Hey, Dan. Good morning. Hey, Dan. Thanks. I What's up? Thanks. Hey, I got this uh, thick green fungus that grows in my soysia grass. Um, yeah. It started in one little area, and it's yeah. spread all over the yard, front and back. Uh, it seems to be water-activated when it rains a lot. It seems to just spread all over. Sure. Um, it's like jello. Uh, yeah, nostoc. I know exactly what you're talking about. N-O-S-T-O-C, nostoc. 
I remember looking it up on your website, but it didn't say anything about getting rid of it. <laughs> well, it did too. I think I wrote it in it. It's a blue-green algae. I mean, that's what it is. It's not a slime or a mold or a moss or anything like that. It's a blue-green algae. And any time you talk about moss or algaes, you know that moisture is present because they can't grow unless moisture is present. So somehow you, I guess, are going to be in charge of figuring out how to eliminate the moisture or eliminate the soil that holds the moisture there. Well, I, One think of I have a, a sandy type of soil, and it's very thin. Um, I was wondering, do I need to, like, put Roundup on everything, bring in some dirt, and then side it? Or, I mean, how do I? Where's the water I, coming from? That's what I want to know. Well, just, just the moisture when it rains. Um, there's a little hill that drains down onto it, mm -hmm. uh, so some water drains down off that, but uh, for the most part, it's just, it's kind of shady area, and it just mm, yeah. stays moist. Shade, shade, loves that shade. Drying it out. If you can do two or three things at the same time by redirecting the water to go in a different direction, not going down the hill into that dampish area. If you can trim the trees a little bit to give more sunshine to the soil. If you can... Yeah, that never uh, sounds sounds sandy and sort of loose as it is, but if you want to aerate that area so the soil dries out faster, any of those three is going to help. All three would help a lot. Yeah, in the winter time it, it shrivels up, and then when it's dry yeah. it shrivels up. But yeah, it, you know, of course, it, uh, when it, it turns black, and as soon as it rains, it's and it's bigger and thicker and greener than it's perfect wild. description. Don't forget the name of it: N O S T O C, blue green algae, Nostock, blue green algae. How do you spell it? N-O-S, N-O-S-T-O-C, Nostoc. B-O-C, okay, great. So that's all I have to do, bring in dirt and put out, put new sod in? No, or just I said three steps, the redirect the water, make the soil right. airified and get the shade out of the way, get some sunshine in there. Those are the three things to do. And then I'll let you go bring the dirt in and plant something new. Well, I don't think there's any dirt to airify. Well, there's got to be some dirt for it to grow on. There's got to be dirt yeah, in there somewhere. I think I need. I think it's too sandy and rocky. Uh, maybe so, but moisture, eliminate moisture. That is your key. we got to eliminate the moisture, eliminate some shade, and we'll be way ahead of the game. i got to get out of here, Dan. Thanks so much for calling. It's 747. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to be a relatively pleasant day between the thunderstorms. A couple of chances of thunderstorms throughout the day. But then overnight, the lows get into the low 40s, 70s during the day. Tomorrow, a little bit cooler. And, of course, you heard Kirk say a minute ago it's going to be 30s over Monday, Tuesday. So keep that in mind as you garden this weekend. The full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Gene and McDonough joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Gene, good, good morning. morning. How can I help? I ordered three. Uh, rhododendrons from White Flower Farm, and they came Wednesday. Should I yeah. try to plant them now or wait until it warms up? As long as they look like they have not been in a greenhouse. If you see very light, tender-looking growth on them, Gene and I probably wait till after the cold weather. But if the stems are brown, which I imagine they are, the leaves look green, if there are any leaves on it look deep, dark green, 
I think it would be fine to plant. Real healthy, dark green leaves and everything, and the yellow yeah. one is full of buds, but the pink one looks really scrawny. It had a bloom <laughs> on it, which it fell off, but uh, it doesn't have a lot of leaves on it. If I you don't know be, anything about rhododendrons. I've if you never want to had be any, totally safe, if you want to be totally safe, then put them in a put them in the garage or something like that till maybe Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Uh-huh. I don't think you're going to hurt them by planting them now, but I'm not going to guarantee anything. So if you just feel like this one is weak or all three of them maybe could stand waiting a few days, then wait till next Wednesday and plant them then. Okay, and what kind of fertilizer? Uh, I use Melorganite a lot. Good. I'm, we were just talking about that 32 seconds ago with the audience here at the Cobb mm-hmm. Gallery, and I think Melorganite would work great. Good. And do they need a lot of water, or they're going to be in full sun from noon on? The first year is the most critical year for any evergreen plant, rhododendrons being one of those. And so it is a real good idea just to put it on your calendar once a week, good heavy dosing of water uh, to the root zone to keep them from drying out because that's that first 12 months is really the time when if they don't get water, they're going to be real unhappy. Okay, okay. And the hydrangea I got too, uh, it's called a lace cap. Oh, good. That'll be nice. Uh, Hydrangea, and it's... um, it's going to get really big, though, isn't it? Yeah, it depends on the variety. It'll say on the label how tall it gets, so just take that information from the label. Okay. You okay, should be fine. I'll put them in a turnaround out in the front yard. And That'll I've be beautiful. And tilled up and mulch put on. So. That'll be beautiful, Gene. I think you'll have a gorgeous-looking landscape, and even if you plant them today, I don't think there's going to be any damage to them. I know they'll look pretty, pretty, pretty in the summertime. A reminder, this afternoon, I'm going to be in Jefferson, Georgia, up at 441 and I-85 in Jefferson, Georgia, for Jefferson's Foliage Fest. I'll be there around 11 o'clock, I think, this morning, going to about 1 o'clock. And there'll be lots of vendors there. You can come by and visit. I'll be going from vendor to vendor, and I'll have a little kiosk kind of thing where I'll be able to answer garden questions. So bring your samples. If you've got weeds that you need identifying, if you have plants you want to know what in the world it is and how to care for it, if you have any garden questions, I'll be at Jefferson's Foliage Fest this afternoon from 11 to 1 o'clock. Go to my website WalterReeves.com and click on Where's Walter if you need more details about Foliage Fest in Jefferson. It's 747, so let's call it 757. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden right after news.